live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome into a Friday Eve edition of the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber once again. And my man, James Mesh, behind the glass. And I have a beautiful show planned out for you on this gloomy afternoon. I think the rain might be done for the day. Fingers crossed as high school jamborees across the state kick off this evening. But for us, inside the Delta Media Studios, it's all sunshine. We're going to bring you Matthew Bruni at 2.30. The LSU freelance writer is going to join us. We're going to talk about LSU wrapping up camp, preparing for Florida State. That's just, man, a little over a week away. And we get oh so close and excited for those Tigers to take the field in the Superdome in New Orleans. Who's going to be the quarterback? We'll see if he could tell us his insight from the practice that he's seen so far. At 3.30, Alex Onstead of Saturday Down South is going to join us. And we're going to talk about complete college football landscape. What the season's looking like. Maybe talk some Heisman potentials. Some dark horse contenders that might make the college football playoffs. Alex is going to tell us all about that at 3.30. And we have a poll question for you guys. If you head over to the Twitter machine at the game Louisiana, you could get in on the fun. Who's going to be the best conference in America outside the SEC? We want to hear from you. Get on out there and vote. And, of course, if you want to call in and vote live in person and get in on the fun live on the show, you could always call up the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And I don't know why you would want to do this, but if you want to go and see our beautiful faces, you can head on out and catch a simulcast it here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium Network, 32.3, and on 133 LUS Fiber. James, I'm psyched up. We're getting closer and closer to football season. I'm going to a football game tonight. It might be a jamboree. Records might not count. I don't care. I'm going to hear some pads popping. Get those, those beautiful football smells, sights. Here, you know, listen, it's going to be glorious, and I'm pretty fired up. Hey, whatever football you can get into your veins, I say go for it. You know, I know we got a little bit of preseason action tonight, but I'm excited for some live action in person to get, you know, to, to be able to see. I'm going to head over to Cajun Field tonight for the Kiwanis Jamboree. Got three ball games, and we're going to talk a little bit more about those a little later. I want to talk about the poll question um, that we got up for you and. Of course, we're also going to extend our movie bracket, our football movie bracket, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. But I want to talk about the, the poll question. I want to talk about college football. Week zero kicks off in just two days. LSU's uh, first-week opponent, Florida State, they, they got a game. Week one, I mean week zero. They're going to play Duquesne. Let's see if they can get a good look um, for the Tigers to see what they look like. But we want to talk about who's the best conference. Outside of the SEC, I know we got a lot of SEC homers in this area, and I don't care if you're a homer or not. The SEC has been dominant. They've been daddy to college football for the last decade plus. So let's take them out of the equation. 
who's going to be the best conference in college football for this 2022 season outside of the SEC? Who's it going to be for you? we got three um, potential answers for you to vote on. The Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 give you another spot for other. My man James left out the Pac-12. I don't know if there's some Texas fans somewhere. Danny Jones is listening and all kind of fired up that you left out the Big 12. Maybe Texas ain't back, according to Mr. James Mesh over there. I, look, in my opinion, I, I, that, I, some of these conferences are super, super watered down. The SEC is very competitive, top to bottom. Some of these guys, especially ACC, you know, Clemson seems almost like a lock there. And in the third, uh, excuse me, second segment, we're going to go over a little bit more in-depth conference by conference on who we think will win. But I, I think if I was voting with these three options, I'm probably going to lean towards the Pac-12. I, I think Oregon is playing much better football. I think USC is going to be a lot better this year. Utah showed us they were pretty good a year ago. I'm not buying it on Big Ten. They only got one good side of the bracket up there, and you get a bunch of teams just log jammed, you know, with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State all on one side. So it's it, it makes it kind of tough. That's a tough division within the conference inside the Big Ten. What would say you, James, if you had to pick one of these three or go other? Maybe you think it's the Big 12. I lean more towards the Big Ten okay. in my eyes. And that's, is it solely because of the Ohio State? It's not solely because of Ohio State. I always think Michigan and Michigan State are always really good teams. They never make it as far as people hope they do, but they're always ranked. They're always up there. They just never able to get to that extra level. They're never able to get to that SEC level. But that you so that East division of the Big Ten, it's pretty loaded, right? Yes, you know, the East is the East is really that's, good. That's where it's at. Of course. I mean the, the the West side of that division. It almost seems like Wisconsin. If you don't make it. You know, you're pretty disappointed. I know Iowa trips them up. I was going to say, and I I like Iowa. I like that brand of football. I do like the brand of football they play with. I I, I think that, you know, that that division's a little – that's pretty weak, though. That's very ACC-esque as far as division (laughs) weaknesses go. Um, You know, I'm not rowing the boat over in Minnesota with P.J. Fleck. I I don't think that they're there. So I'm with you. The East Division, tough, tough. So you're going to solely go on on that based off of that, that East Division? East Division mainly, but little sprinkle of Iowa and Wisconsin. I got you. That's fair. I, t- I could take it. Of course, if you want to get on the action, you can give us a call up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. And you can head over to the game Louisiana on the Twitter machine and get in on the fun as well. And look, the, the Pac-12, I, I, I hammered you. It's not like I got a bunch of barn burners over there that you know I, I said – um, will be a little bit better, right? In, in the North Division, uh, I, I mean, I, I just think you might see some improvement over there from from Washington and Stanford. Uh, Oregon was pretty salty though last year. They were they were good throughout the season, but I, I I like Utah. I like the brand of football they play with, physical, powerful football, even out of the spread formation. USC we know is going to be better this year. We know Lincoln Raleigh going over there. They improve, hit the transfer portal hard. They're going to compete. They're going to be ready to play this year. I, I, I think them in Utah, back and forth, and I think you see some improvement. Uh, you know, Arizona State, thank you for Jaden Daniels, but I, I think this is Herm Edwards on his way out in that division. But interesting that you left off the Big 12 out of all the conferences out there. I, 
I think that that particular conference is very um, similar to uh, as far as uh, consistency. I'm not saying they have the top top teams as uh, the the Big Ten's East Division, but I, I think you got a bunch of teams that are pretty pretty good. And the, you know, they there's just one they lump them all together. But I, look, is Texas going to be back? Probably not. I don't think so. TCU, you know what you get from them year year in year out. Oklahoma Sooners, year one without Lincoln Riley. How about the Baylor Bears a year ago? Throw in Oki Light at Oklahoma State. I think that's a, a, a it's a pretty tough top to bottom conference. You know, there's there's a few cupcakes sprinkled in there, but it's not as um, heavy up front you know there's not the the highlight teams as you would as in the Big Ten as you kind of mentioned um, as far as the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world so I'm interested to get everybody's kind of take on that and how it sits also want to touch on the Houston Astros how they were victorious a night ago inside the juice box five to three against the Minnesota Twins winning their 80th game and extending their lead against the Yankees to three and a half games for the best record in the American League. Framber Valdez, how about 22 consecutive quality starts? 13 and four, 2.65 ERA. Guess what? Second to best ERA in the American League. Can you guess who has the best ERA in the American League, James? Can, can you just guess for the people? Justin Verlander? I mean, come on. The MVP, Justin Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go on a tirade again about Justin Verlander. You, you all know how I feel about him. But last night, Trey Mancini, we told you he needed to stay in the lineup. Yesterday, he goes for a bomb in the sixth inning. How about Alex Bregman getting another RBI, driving in my guy, Yardon Alvarez. And how about Jose Altuve? A night after getting plunked, showing a lot of emotion, had to get calmed down by Carlos Correa, he goes on a bomb on the first pitch of the ball game for the 11th time this year for a leadoff home run for Jose Altuve. And did you catch the catch? Did you catch the catch, James, by Carlos Correa on Jose Altuve? Just kind of over, over the shoulder basket on a, a soft, you know, soft ball into left field that he went out and caught. It was the bizarrest thing in the world to see Correa take a hit away from Altuve like that. I wasn't able to catch it, but I'm going to look it up real quick. <laughs> I mean, it was a nice play for sure. And again, the Astros are going to try to extend that lead even more in the American League as they take on the Minnesota Twins again tonight. 7-10 first pitch at the juice box, and all that action could be heard right here on the game. The dancing machine, Luis Garcia, is going to take the bump tonight for the Astros. 10-8. and with a 4.09 ERA. Chris Archer, the former Cy Young Award winner from the Rays, 2-6 and six on the year with a 4.02 ERA. So the Astros look to go sweeping tonight against the Twins. Right. Feels like whatever that hiccup was they were on, you know, last week on that, that road trip seems to be going away. Helps that you're playing back home, and the Twins lost now, what, five in a row? But Astros have a lot of, you know, it feels normal again. Yeah, you feel like you're back to normal after having kind of a speed bump the last couple of series. And look, a lot, a lot has been said on, on, the, on Twitter and message boards about the bullpen. 
man, the bullpen's shaky. They're dicey. Look, we're only two months ago for the month of June. The Astros had the best bullpen in all of baseball. So let's not go and sleep on them. Look, they've, they've been unlucky at times. I mean, Ryan Stanek a couple nights ago or last week, he gave up two runs. And on those two runs, he, he gave up an infield single. He walked a guy on a borderline call and then gave up a base hit. It's, you know, it's baseball. Things happen. They're going through a rough patch right now. I think this bullpen's going to be totally fine. We know the rotation's good. I think the bullpen's going to be totally fine. And it seems like they're kind of starting to get their footing and become more consistent at the plate. Right now, they're eighth in all MLB in runs, 13th in batting average at 246. They brought that up. That number was like 220 something not long ago. They were able to bring that up. They're getting more consistency. And oh, by the way, pitching, yeah, they'll be fine. Second in all of baseball with a 3.06 ERA total for that staff. But we're worried about the bullpen. Come on, guys. Whip, third, again, in all of baseball with a 1.12 whip. If anything, I was more worried about the offense. They weren't putting up runs. Just inconsistent, right? Seemed feast or famine. They were in the top five of baseball in home runs, but yet they were, you know, in middle of the pack, 13 to 20 at one point in, in batting average. So it, it's like, to your point, not putting up runs. They, they Look, they either – hitting it out of the park, or they're just not getting it done. And it seems like they've been able to string stuff together a little bit more. I'm with you on that. I'm starting to get a little more comfortable on where this uh, this offense is uh, going forward. And I, we're starting to get a better picture of what the postseason's going to look like um, when it comes to uh, you know the wild card. Uh, I think uh, Seattle's still battling it out right now. They're two and a half up in front of Baltimore. You know, that's a scary Seattle team. They, they might scare me just as much as anybody on the American League side. You know, Toronto's kind of up and down. They got the benefit of playing Boston the last few nights. It gets, you know, a few easy wins there. Um, Tampa, again, they're, they're scary because they're, they do this year in and year out, James. A bunch of it seems like nobodies, right? Seems like a bunch of like beer league softball guys that you like. Who's who's on this roster? I don't know anybody on this roster, but they're there time and time again, and it's no different this year. They're one and a half game up in the wild card, and of course, Cleveland leading that Central Division in the AL at sixty six and fifty six. You know, I went over to Cleveland and I was able to go to a ball game and catch the Astros over there. Very nice park, but again, that lineup just doesn't scare me. That lineup does not scare me if I'm the Astros. And we all know the skid the Yankees have been on since the All-Star break. They, they're 4-6 and six right now in their last 10. I, 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 that, lie, that pitching rotation does nothing for me in the postseason. I think the Astros are built for the postseason with their pitching rotation. The Yankees don't scare me. I, I'm serious when I say this. The, the Seattle Mariners scrappy. Hannah Five names this team. Scare, they might be the most scariest team in the AL for me, and they're barely in the playoffs right now. You know, I, I, you, you got to respect that Yankees lineup. Some, right? With Judge Stanton, those guys, they're going to hit bombs. Of course. But a lot of feast and famine there, too. Yeah. It, and you're talking about how the Yankees are four and six. That's including a three game win streak in that time. <laughs> So it's like they're on a current three-game winning streak, but which means they could be back like how the Astros are finally done with their hookup. New York could be done with theirs, but at the same time. Theirs lasted a lot longer, though. 
I was gonna say Stroh's was there Stroh's for like was eight only days, two. It know? was only it was only about eight games, two two three series. This has been for since the last since four the or five. Since yeah, the, since the All Star break. On the other side of the equation in the National League, the Mets. Man, that pitching rotation for the Mets is so good. You get Degrom back, Scherzer, and the best closer in all of baseball, Edwin Diaz. Then you got the St. Louis Cardinals in their division and the Dodgers. Let's get to the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers probably have in the National League the best middle lineup. They got, you know, they got Betts, Freddie Freeman. They got, they got some studs in that lineup. But outside of that, they got some cats in that lineup that are hitting under 200 or barely at 200. That lineup doesn't scare me as much. They might have, they have the best league, best record in the league, 86 wins. But for my money, the Braves and the Mets scare me a whole lot more. And, of course, Atlanta running away with the first wild card. They're 10 games up in front there with the Phillies in that second wild card spot. And Slam Diego went spend all that money. They're clinging on to that wild card spot right now, one and a half games up in front of the Milwaukee Brewers. So going out and signing all these guys, maybe not so much what they needed to do. They got the terrible news with Tatis, of course, as well. What we're going to do, though, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, my guy James and I are going to break it down conference by conference and let you know who we think are the front runners in each to take home the conference crown. And you can hear that all right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back in for the second segment of the first hour. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber right here on the Jordy Holberg Show. And so far, we've been having a good time. We talked a little bit of college football, talked a little Astros, but we really want to do a deep dive now into conference championships in this 2022 NCAA football season that kicks off in just a couple short days. Week zero, eh, eh, not a whole lot of excitement there. Uh, you know, they got, they got the game over in, in Ireland. Maybe that gets you excited, but there's no marquee matchups. Really think they need to have some schedule regulation and everybody start on the same week, if you ask me. But let's look at conference champions. Who do we think is going to be crowned the champion in each conference? Let's first look at the ACC, also known as the Clemson League. Clemson's won this conference, oh man, since the beginning of time, it feels like nobody's even really contended against them. Even change quarterbacks, guys get hurt, it doesn't matter. Those guys have been so good with consistency over the last, ah, what, almost decade now. They've been really good. 
I, it's going to be hard to say it's not Clemson. To be honest with you, I, I know some folks are trying to get on the the Diaz train over at uh, Miami to see if you know they're they're going to get back in action, and I, I I don't think that they're quite there. They're recruiting at an awful awful high clip right now. They're doing really really well on the recruiting trail, so maybe they're building something there, and it's going to come in time, but not quite there yet. Ah, Florida State for what it's worth too. I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, sportsbettingdime.com and looking at their odds on the conference championship. And what's yeah, interesting to me, plus 2,200, way down uh, one, sixth pick in the conference right now for the Florida State Seminoles is very, very interesting for me. For what it's worth, they have Clemson at minus 167. Overall, you know, overwhelming favorite. What say you, James Mush? Uh, I mean, you got to easily go with Clemson. If you want to throw like maybe a dollar down on on somebody like Miami or if you want to throw it on North Carolina, because North Carolina for FanDuel is plus 2,500 and they're fifth, yeah. with Florida State being plus 2,800. If you want to throw a dollar on that, why not? But if you want to make a realistic bet, you have to go Clemson. North Carolina, you know, I, I, I was going to say maybe they're a dark horse to contend for second in the conference. That was going to be what I was going to say next, so I'm kind of with you there. Interesting, on this site right here, they do have Pittsburgh as fourth in their pick yeah. at plus 1,200. Kenny Pickett gone, they don't care. They got them at plus 1,200. So you're going to say uh, a Clemson is your your pick to click, and then you're going to go with North Carolina as maybe your second choice there? Yeah, maybe, maybe like throw a little dollar on there, just – just to see if it hits, because it probably won't, but if it does, hey, I win, you win, like, what, 15 extra bucks? Let's look now at the Big 12. James's omission in the poll question up at the game, Louisiana, on the Twitter machine. They have Oklahoma sitting at plus 200 right now to win the Big 12, which is kind of surprising to me. Texas at plus 250 for second, way, way too high, in my opinion, I'm going to tell you my pick actually to win this conference this year. Give me Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears. Their story of transformation is just incredible, what they've done over the last three years and where they're at today. Give me them at plus 500 to win the Big 12. Yeah, looking at it for me as well, Oklahoma, you don't have Lincoln Riley anymore. I'm not sold on Texas either. Oklahoma State, eh. All the other teams are met. I gotta go with Baylor as well. I mean, that's that one's not as easy to pick uh, uh, like Clemson was. You know, I, but you you have to I go don't with that pick one. The favorite again. You know, I think Oklahoma has a chance to maybe take a step back. You know, I, I think there's still a lot of talent on that roster. Um, a lot of coaches remain, but I, you know, I, it's, it's time to shake it up and do a little bit something different in the Big Twelve. Let's head over to the game hotline and bring on Chad, who wants to get in and play with his Chad. How it goes on this? Wonderful Thursday afternoon. How's it going, Blaine? Blaine, I got a few things, man. First of all, who's going to play? Who's going to be second place in the five four A high school race? We already know who's going to be first. So, who's going to take second or third place? Second, I like North Carolina State in the ACC, and then for the Big Twelve, you got Oklahoma State and Baylor playing. I think in the second week, uh, that can. I think one of those two are going to be your Big Twelve champs. Um. Uh, out, of, out of Oklahoma State and Baylor. I like both teams. I actually like Baylor coming out with that one. But, Blaine, my last question, man, 
Uh, LSU's favored by three against Florida State. I think they're going to sweep the rug with them. I know you're a bet man like I am. Uh, Florida State had an injury, another injury yesterday, and they kind of depleted on the offensive line. If you would have to bet right now, man, which, which way you would go, uh, and I'll hang up and listen to your answers, bro. Thank it, you. It does feel like a little bit of a, a low, right, when you first see that number, but I still got some question marks for the Tigers. We know we don't know who the starting quarterback is, and the, the secondary really makes me nervous. I know we got some guys that have played a lot of football, especially on the perimeter, but those guys haven't really stepped up quite yet. I think LSU's going to win next week. I do. I think it's going to be a, a 31-28 type game where LSU might, you know, you know, kind of take control late in the game. Where I think LSU's going to beat Florida State is on the line of scrimmage. I think, you know, what, Florida State's down to their third-string center I think Mason Smith's going to eat that up alive in the center of that offensive line. So I, 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 that, I think that number makes me really scared, especially with Florida State getting a tune-up game this week, to be honest with you, Chad. I'm kind of going to punt that and stay away with it. You want to talk about districts on the, on the high school level, and I, I think it's really interesting. Um, I, I, you know, we can't pencil in STM to win that district, in my opinion. I, I think that, that 5-4-A that's going to be Westgate's going to have a lot to say about that. So give me Westgate to win that division and uh, STM to come out second. I think that's kind of where I'm going to sit right now. I think Westgate has a load of talent. Derek Williams, the five-star who's uh, committed to Texas right now, was maybe, maybe the best high school football player that I've seen calling football um, last season, um, especially with Walker Howard being out when I saw STM. I thought Derek Williams was awfully, awfully good. Good. We're going to have to cut this segment short and head to another break. But when we come back, Matthew Bruni's going to join us and he's going to tell us about those LSU Tigers. We'll talk quarterback, position battle, and how LSU's preparing for the Knowles next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into the Jardy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber on this glorious Friday Eve edition. We're going to quickly head out to the game hotline and bring on Matthew Bruni, the LSU beat writer, to talk some LSU Tigers. Matthew, how's it going on this Thursday afternoon? I'm doing great. Uh, it hasn't rained in Baton Rouge yet today, oh. I, don't, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been nice. It, it's, it poured all morning long, but I think if you're heading to high school jamborees this evening, you'll be okay. I think all the yeah. rain is done for today. Fingers crossed. Yes, yes, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it's behind us for this weekend. I know you're probably tired of talking about it and tired of hearing it and ready for Brian Kelly to make his decision on who's going to be the signal caller for LSU come week one against Florida State. And everybody's been kind of all over the place. Depending on who you listen to, who's going to be the guy? Where do you stand? Um, I've been high on Garrett Nussmeyer basically since the spring. Uh, I think he has the best arm talent. I mean, even when Brennan, Brennan was in the room. So uh, Nussmeyer has been the guy for me. Uh, however, as watching watching the spring and watching the fall camps and everything, you have to acknowledge the fact that even throughout this whole offseason, it's been Jaden Daniels who's gotten the first first-team reps. Right? He's been the one who's gone out there first and foremost. 
Uh, and I n- made note of that during the spring when everybody wanted to write him off. And I was like, well, he's getting a lot of the first-team reps here. Um, and as the season uh, approaches, you know, it continues to be the case. I still like Garrett Nussmeyer's arm, and I think he can bring a lot to the team. It's just a question if he's ready or not. So um, I think at this moment most people would – pick Jane Daniels to be the starter if they had to predict right now, and I think I'd be in that boat as well. However, I am uh, higher on Garrett Nussmeyer than um, than Daniels as far as a, a passer goes. Both guys use their feet so well. Uh, you know, Nussmeyer more to maybe extend the play and throw the football downfield. Jane Daniels, of course, an excellent runner. Do, do you think maybe the, the Nussmeyer not being able to edge out Daniels is he, he might be just too much of a risk taker at this point of his career? Maybe. Um, yeah, it, it might be some of that, but the the whole thing is Nussmeyer just doesn't have near the experience that Daniels has. For me, I mean, Daniels has started three straight years of college football, albeit, you know, Pac-12 is different from the SEC, but that experience might be too much for Nussmeyer to overcome, and not for nothing, I think it was too much for Brennan to overcome. I mean, Brennan asked that, had only started three games before. Daniels comes in and you know what you're getting. He started so many games. He knows how to command an offense. I, I just think that is tough to overcome when you're a you know second year player and you started played one game pretty. I mean one full game pretty much um, in your career. So Nussmeier has all the talent. I think he's he's reeling in that gunslinger mentality a bit. And but even with that being the case, I think Daniels just has too much experience. And regardless who the quarterback is, they're going to have a receiving core who's so deep. There's so many playmakers on this you know, wide receiving team. Uh, outside of Butte and, and Neighbors, who's been the star of the camp, who do you think is going to be the third guy in that rotation? Uh, I, it's, it's either Jack Besh or Brian Thomas. I'd probably lean towards Besh. Uh, we, Besh has missed the first portion of fall camp. They're just returning from a minor injury, and uh, so he should be fine. Uh, I mean, he's going to be fine for the season. Brian Thomas is a guy who I think could really, really make his name known this year, though. I mean, he started a handful of games last year. and He looked the part as a true freshman, so I think he might be getting overshadowed a little bit with the Boutte, the Neighbors, and the Beshes. Um, but those would be my two in contention for the third spot. If I had to pick one, I'd say Besh, though, just because I think he's, he's going to be that safety net you know, for the quarterback, which all quarterbacks love to have, because LSU doesn't have that tight end that you would love to have like a – you know, they don't have the the guy who can just get you six yards on a hitch route and somehow get open like a Jason Witten. Uh, but Jack Besh kind of serves that role for them, even though he's on the outside. And the offensive line last season was kind of, you know, just a, a damper to this offense. They struggled a good bit. It seems like, though, through camp, it, that this offensive line could, could become a strength of this LSU team. Um, how, how do you see it playing out for those big uglies yeah. up front? Yeah, I'm I'm always hesitant to uh because offensive line is the hardest thing for us to quantify, you know, in fall camp because it is just so, you know, subjective to a degree. You know, you can see the quarterbacks, the running backs, receivers. The offensive line is so it's so difficult, especially when you're going against the defensive line of this caliber. So it's like, all right, well they want a rep, so that has to be good, but at the same time, um it's just so up and down. So I, I do think from a talent perspective, Garrett Dellinger at center, um will be formidable. I think they have enough options around him. They have, Like Brian Kelly said, they have seven, eight guys that they trust, and I think those seven or eight guys are actually you know, legitimate SEC players. Uh, the question is, obviously, with Brad Davis, can he 
bring the best out of them? Can they get the run schemes going? Because a lot of blocking is gap fitting and, you know, all the, the technicalities and stuff. So it's there's a lot to it. I, I, I'm hesitant, but I'm all optimistic about uh, giving the offensive line some praise going into the year just because I think from a talent perspective with Campbell, Schwartz, Frazier, and, you know, Bradford, go down the list, whoever starts, I think they'll be talented. And I know everybody wants to talk about John Emery being suspended the first two games of the season, but the other two backs have looked pretty darn good in camp, too. Uh, Noah Kane looks the part visually. Do you think he's going to be the guy that they lean on these first two weeks? Yeah, I think he'll be the starter. Um, I think he'll be the starter, and he'll be the guy who gets um, most of the carries. I, I like Armani Goodwin as a change of pace guy. He's just so fast and explosive. Um, but I think it has to be, it's going to be Kane because of his experience, his awareness. He's a really good pass blocker um and he did he's he's shown massive improvement i think from just in a couple weeks of fall camp as he starts to get more and more comfortable within the offense and you know he had a that leg injury a couple years ago that held him out of the the covid season and so last year he didn't look 100 percent at penn state but now he's i think he's starting to get back so yeah i expect him to get uh, be the starter Armani Goodwin to get some carries and then Josh Williams to, to be that third back for them. And you mentioned that offensive line being seven or eight deep of SEC quality. It might be even more embarrassing how rich this LSU defensive line is in talent. How do you see them for you know shaking up? I, I mean, we know the guys that are going to start, but maybe some guys that are going to rotate in that's really going to surprise folks on just how darn good they are. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, uh, well, Brian Kelly's brought him up a few times, but Desmond Little at one of the defensive end spots, um, either behind, probably behind Ali Gay or uh, even behind B.J. Ojolari, uh, he's been talked up a lot. I think he's going to have a good year. Um, Xavier Carter, uh, Makai Wingo, the transfer from Missouri, is probably the best player that's not starting um, on defense. He's going to be really, really good. Made all, all SEC freshman team last year as an inter- interior defensive lineman. Uh, so Little, um, Carter, uh, Wingo, you know, you got guys like that. And I think that's kind of a good foundation. Jacoby and Guillory as well uh, on the inside. I, I think the depth is going to surprise people because, you know, defensive lines can rotate in and out at times. You know, players can go in and out. You know, you don't see them for 70 snaps in a game. So the depth and the consistency of the defensive line, I think, can catch some offenses by surprise. And then you get to the next level of that defense linebacker spot. Uh, some might say it's a question mark, but I think they're a little deeper than most people are giving them credit for. Um, maybe we see Mike Jones really take that next step to become a true Mike backer. And then there's Micah Baskerfield, who you don't ever hear from in fall camp, but you know how much good football he played just a season ago. Yeah, Baskerville has been an interesting case because it's it's like the fans and everybody's just been waiting for him to step up. Like during the spring, he was in the doghouse for academics or whatever, whatever it was, he was in the doghouse. Um, and so everybody was like, well, in the fall, he'll slide right into that starting spot. And that just never happened. And uh, Greg, Penn, part of that is because Greg Penn and Mike Jones have been so good at those inside linebacker spots, I think, throughout the spring and fall and how comfortable they are with one another. You don't really want to break that up. But also, I mean, Baskerville has. He's, he hasn't even been like the number three guy in, in, in a lot of the practices we've seen. I mean, Harold Perkins, you add a five-star guy like that, you get him on the field and he just looks like he's ready to play. Um, Harold Perkins is probably the number three linebacker, in my opinion, at this point. Then you go to Baskerville, then you go to West Weeks, and so on and so forth, like a Colby Fields and whatnot. But 
yeah, I think the depth is good. It's a little young, so you are always hesitant. You know, Penn is still second year. Um, Jones is the oldest one there besides Baskerville. So, um, yeah, overall, I like the depth. It is a little young, but Baskerville, I still think, will contribute this year. And on the defensive secondary, for, for me, that's my biggest question mark for this LSU team outside of quarterback is, you know, who's going to play on the perimeter? They got a bunch of guys with a lot of experience at other schools, but who's the, it doesn't seem like anybody's just stepping up and taking the ball by the horns. Yeah, it's it's kind of just how you want to look at it. I, I, I kind of agree with you in that it is a little bit concerning that I had penciled in Jerick Bernard Converse and Makai Garner as the two starters pretty comfortably going into the fall and now it's is is it going to be one of those two is colby richardson the mcneese transfer going to break into the starting lineup he's gotten a ton of first team reps throughout fall uh seven banks from ohio state who albeit was a very talented player two years ago when ohio state made the playoffs started for them last year had a very disappointing year for ohio state and then into the transfer portal so you have those four guys in um bernard converse gardner uh richardson and banks fighting for two spots and that has not been solved yet to this point we're what a week and a half <laughs> less a week and a half from game day so um it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out uh at the corner position that is a little bit concerning safety i think they'll be okay with major burns um and uh jay ward joe fuchsia the arkansas transfer has uh been in and out of first team second team and then uh nickel greg brooks i think is going to be really solid with stage ryan as well at, at the nickel spot so that's the secondary rundown uh the cornerback position is, like you said, the most interesting uh, aspect of camp right now outside of quarterback. And LSU's kind of just been spoiled when it comes to special teams. They've been solid in all facets of the kicking game, kickoffs, field goals, as well as punting. Uh, how do you see that shaking up? Oh, the kicker position is really um, interesting right now. Um, they got Ramos right now. Oh, I, I forget his first name. I, I was at the uh, Napoleon press conference uh, yesterday. I forgot the, the first name of the kicker. But Ramos uh, kicker, uh, Nathan Divert, is also competing with him, the true freshman, who's a highly rated guy. Uh, but Napoleon said yesterday, you know, he's a freshman, so you can't fully expect him to come in and um, and start all, 100% of the time. Uh, you got the Northwestern transfer as well competing for that kicker, kicker job. Uh, so it, it is pretty open right now. It which is a little bit of a surprise. I kind of expected Nathan Diver to come in and just start, which I guess is, you know, on a mistake on my part to expect a freshman to do that. But we'll see how that plays out. And then uh, at punter, um, it's pretty much just going to be Jay Bramlett, 100%. I mean, they've named him the starter, and so he'll he'll get the he'll get he'll be the first punter out there, which is good. He's has plenty of experience in big games. Peyton Todd is uh, as the backup, and he's really really talented, which we knew last year. But he just wasn't able to to break onto the break into the starting uh, punter spot. So, yeah, that's how the special teams shakes out. Kick returner, punt returner. They're looking at like Malik Neighbors, uh, Monty Goodwin, uh, Sage Ryan, guys like that for for the returning jobs. Wrapping up right now with Matthew Bruni, uh, Matt. It, it's kind of like the last few years. It's been nothing but drama, and it, it doesn't feel like that this year. It feels a much more business approach for LSU. What do you feel like the team's psyche when you go in and interview players and get a feel for how they feel in this upcoming season? What's the, what's that feeling like on this team? Yeah, it definitely feels more focused. Uh, the players feel more. Um, I mean, they keep using the word accountable, so they feel more focused, bought in. I guess is another is another term you can use. But overall, it just like you said, it feels less 
about what's going on on the outside, and it feels more about what Brian Kelly can do with this program. And so, with that being the case, I think the players are excited. I think the coaches um, that he's brought, that Kelly's brought in, are all um, really, really have proven themselves throughout the fall, spring, and summer. I mean, even when you talk recruiting, they've proven themselves. So, um, I think accountability was a big thing throughout the off season. I think that's starting to show, and I think players. Um, another thing Brian Kelly stressed a lot uh, over the off season was being fresh for this first game and so i think they've managed themselves well they've stayed in good um conditioning good health and with all that being said i think they're going to be ready to go for florida state matt my guy i appreciate the time hopefully we can talk down the line yes no problem thanks for having me matt bruni right there joining us the lsu beat writer got to break everything down for you position by position went in depth a little bit Touched on some different spots than we did yesterday on our breakdown of the depth chart, James and I. So we'll touch a little bit more on that on the second hour. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up our number one right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football season is here, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoor, and the game. You can score $500 of chopped specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, and a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. It's here. Football season is upon us. I'm fired up. I'm as soon as I leave here, I'm heading over to Cajun Field, James, and I'm geeked up to watch high school football that doesn't even matter. That's how excited I am. It's the same thing for me with preseason football. Like, I don't watch it all the time, but especially watching it for like the Saints, I'm curious to see who's actually stepping up when it comes to on the field, who's actually playing, who's not. Like, what are the storylines? And that way I can make a better prediction because I like to I like to try and see who I think will actually make the rosters. So you're more of a roster watcher, right? You're, yeah. you're not watching it for. I know you're a big fantasy guy. I, I play a lot of fantasy football myself. That, I don't that put too. I don't put a lot of stock in, in in preseason for fantasy. I've been burnt before. I've been down that road. Well, <laughs> actually, it it does help, especially when it comes to young players. Like, okay, if they're running with the first team offense, they might get more carries. They they either would get more carries. Or they may be out there for more possessions when it comes to catching the ball. But, so but it's a like, lot of fool's gold, too, right? <laughs> you know, that they're playing against whoever jabroni's out there for whatever team, you know, that, that might not be a, a everyday or an every down player in the NFL, and they're looking awfully good. And you go, man, maybe I'd, you know, take a chance on this guy. But when he's going against the likes of, you know, a guy who plays down in and down out in the league, it's a different, different animal. It is, but you also want to pay attention to, who comes in, when, and on what part of the field. That's true. That's true. Because if you have a quote-unquote the lead down back, but then that team takes them out once they get to the red zone and they have another back end for those plays, it's like, okay, 
Well, that tells me that you have a specific red zone running back while you have somebody that's going to be good for getting some carries, maybe get a couple of catches in the regular field. But once we get to the red zone, they tell you, you have yeah. a completely different back or a completely different receiver that you're looking at. Also, I'm a big college football fan, so I love to watch these guys who might not quite be NFL-level starters get some run and then remember them, you know, whoever they played for in college, and that's always fun for me as well. Oh, I, I just saw a notification. Apparently there was a brawl between the Bengals and Panthers at their practice. Yep, Lyle Collins mixing it up, right? Is, and is then, that what happened? Uh, it says the joint practice between the Super Bowl opponents ended with Aaron Donald getting thrown to the ground. Oh, no, I never would have expected that to be. That was a grown-ass man who ever did that, oh right? My, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Aaron Donald apparently benches 600. So it's like, who who threw him down? Right, as you say that, on the Twitter machine, it's coming up of Joey B throwing an absolute dime, dropping it in a bucket to Jamar Chase along the sideline with contested coverage. It's good to see Joey B kind of getting in there and flinging it around a little bit. I remember last year, that's another reason. Look, can't put too much stock in the preseason. Remember Jamar Chase? Couldn't catch a ball. Couldn't catch a coal last year in the preseason. And then we all know how that rookie season went. Most shorts ever for a rookie in the NFL. Well, we're going to have to end our number one. But in our number two, we still got a lot of fun to get to. So don't go anywhere. Stick right here with us on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Jordy Holberg for the rest of the week. We've been having a great time so far today on this Friday Eve, enjoying some college football talk, some Astros, a little bit of NFL preseason sprinkled in between. So far today, we got to talk with Matthew Bruni, where we talked a lot about the LSU position battles, breaking camp and getting ready for the Florida State Seminoles. In this hour at 3.30, we're going to bring Alex Onstead on from Saturday Down South, where we're going to talk about college football as a whole. We want to know who the dark horse contenders are to win, or make it to the playoffs, rather, and who can win a Heisman Trophy this year and so much more. So make sure you stick around for that. We also have the poll question over on the Twitter machine, at the game Louisiana, where you could tell us who you think, outside of the SEC, who's going to be the best conference in college football for the 2022 season. Of course, you could also call us up and join in on the fun on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And if you want to see our beautiful faces, I don't know why you would want to, but you could head over to the Simulcast. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and on 133 LUS Fiber. Well, it's been a lot of fun so far, but we still have half a show to get to, and James and I are going to still drive you home and try to give you winners for each and every conference. If you want to be like Chad to call us up, you could give us your conference champions as well. So far, we've given you both conference champions in the ACC and the Big 12. In the ACC, we both went with Clemson, a little too easy. Our dark horse contender in there was both North 
Carolina. We're going to look at the Big 12. Uh, we both went Baylor. Oklahoma is the odds-on favorite at plus 200 right now. We both went Baylor. Chad called in, and he picked Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State-Baylor play very early. It's either week two or week three. Winner of that game will be in the driver's seat for that Big 12 championship. We'll look at the Big 10. That was James's pick for the best conference in college football outside of the SEC for 2022. The Ohio State, of course, Odds on favorite, minus 230 to win the conference. If you tell me that, and look, they're awfully good, and they're rightfully so going to be the favorite. There's some uh, meat on the bones, if you will, to take a stab and make some money right here for title champion in the Big Ten. Michigan at plus 825, Penn State plus 1,300 to go along with Wisconsin, Nebraska plus 1,700. Nebraska plus 1,700. Get a, get a load of that, huh? Iowa at plus 1,800. And how about this? Michigan State all the way back at plus 2,700. Last season, Michigan was kind of able to get over the hump, right? Finally beat Ohio State. I don't think we're going to go there this year. I'm going to be boring like we were in the ACC and take Ohio State. James, what say you? <laughs> Yeah, that feels like too easy of a pick as well. It's 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 just ACC 2.0. Should we just pencil them in the playoffs? You pretty much have to. I mean, unless there's just an utter collapse, but Ohio State's too well of an oil machine to have that happen. When we talk a couple segments down the road with Alex, we'll ask him of you know, are we really just fighting for two playoff spots at this point in time? It sure feels like it. We'll both stick right there with Ohio State, O-H-I-O, in the Big Ten. Let's head out west and go to the Pac-12. USC at plus 200. They're the favorite, which is surprising. Utah second right now at plus 240. They have a massive game one against the Florida State Gate. excuse me, the Florida Gators over in the swamp to kick off the Billy Napier campaign for the Gators. That's going to be a game that's going to be a, a fill-out game, right? See if the Gators really have it going early in the, the season and to see if Utah is a pretender or a contender. I've got my eyes on that one. Oregon coming in at third right now at plus 250. Everybody else, four digits. UCLA leading the way at plus 1,000 with Washington. Washington State is next at plus 2,500. And everybody else is, oh, goodness, way too high. Where are you with Big, uh, excuse me, Pac-10 champion. I'm looking at Utah for this one. I like Utah. I like the brand of football they play. I really do like Kyle Whittingham. We talked off air. Matt Miguez came in and poked his head in, and we talked about that week one matchup with Florida, and I, I'm, my eyes are going to be on that one. I'm going to be in NOLA for the LSU game, but I will be in the French Quarter somewhere, maybe with an adult beverage or two, watching <laughs> the Florida Gators take on the Utes. Yeah, and I, I love how physical they are. They play that physical brand of football. I, I, I'm interested there. I like the pick. I told you how I felt about UC, USC. I, I, I think they're going to be much, much improved. They hit the transfer portal hard. They went in the portal and hit it hard, just as LSU did. Can those guys all get on the same page that quick? Maybe in this conference they can't. I'm going to take USC in the Pac-12. SEC, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of spitball and go in a few different directions here, but there's two teams that are way up top, and there's a bunch of others. And we know that's 
Alabama and Georgia. It's been both of those two teams' conference, except for 2019 on LSU's historical run for a minute. Those guys have been controlling the SEC. Alabama at minus 190. They love what Bryce Young brings to the table. They like what they saw last year, the development of that team. Feels like that wide receiving core might be a little younger. I know the offensive line is going to be good. They might bring back the best defensive player in all of college football, Will Anderson, who was a freak last year, unblockable. And the Dogs coming off of that national championship at plus 175. Everybody else, four digits. Plus 1,600 to Texas 8-4, and four. I mean Texas A&M. Seems like we hear this song and dance each and every year. They're there. They're there. Jimbo got them ready. <laughs> Pretenders, phonies, fakes. We all know <laughs> that. Yeah, we haven't seen anything from them yet. Not enough, at least. They signed the number one recruiting class in the land a season ago. I'm not sure all those young pups are going to be ready to go this season. After that, though, James, there is a huge gap to the next group of teams. Ole Miss plus 4,000, Tennessee plus 5,000, Kentucky plus 5,500, Arkansas, Florida plus 6K, LSU plus 6, 6,600. And then after that, it gets even higher with Florida, excuse me, Auburn at plus 15,000. So it feels like there's some different levels to the SEC this year, and the schedules are tough. That's what's tough about. You know, those two teams, Alabama and Georgia, they're probably going to be the top pecking order. But when you get to the next couple tiers, those teams are going to beat up on one another week in and week out in the SEC. And it's going to be tough to get, you know, it'd be tough to unseed one of those top two teams. I'm, I think I'm going to go Georgia again. You're, you're taking Georgia to win the whole SEC? I think I will. I'm taking Alabama to win the whole thing. For everything. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Alabama to win the whole national championship. Alabama's going to have to replace some playmakers. They bring back Bryce Young. Is Bryce Young going to have the same season he did a year ago when he won a Heisman Trophy? I don't think he'll be able to win the Heisman, but I think he'll I think he'll be in the running for it and finish second or third. They recruit at a high level. We know we know that. They they replace dudes with other dudes. Dudes laid on top of dudes on top. They they continue just to roll them out. All they have are five stars. That's it. <laughs> That's all they got. Star on that roster. <laughs> he must have transferred in from somewhere else. They also bringing in a transfer running back from Georgia Tech who rushed for sixteen hundred yards a season ago. He'll probably be the bell cow over there in Tuscaloosa. We'll move on now to the AAC, where Cincinnati and Houston and UCF kind of been controlling the top part of that. Conference and I, it looks like the same thing there. Home state Tulane at plus 2200, way down in the pecking order, all the way down at seventh. I, you know, I look Memphis at plus a thousand, everybody else, you know, those top three. You got Cincinnati at plus 110, Houston at plus 300, and UCF at plus 350. Cincinnati losing their offensive coordinator. I, it's hard to bet against them, though. They returned a lot of talent from a season ago, including starting quarterback. I'm going to be boring and take Cincinnati. I was going to say, I, I'm trying really hard to pick Houston, but my gut, I, every time I go against my gut, 90% of the time, I regret it. 
So I feel like I have to take Cincinnati because that's my gut initial reaction. We're going to go down to the Sun Belt Conference now, James. And your Raging Cajuns are the favorite right now at plus 150. Changing coaching staff, new quarterback, no cares. This Raging Cajun team is still loaded with talent. Matt Miguez sat in with us yesterday and we broke down the roster and depth chart for you. And you saw why. There's a lot of experience still on this team, even with guys transferring out. Billy Napier played a lot of guys. Got a lot of guys' reps. That's going to pay dividends for the Cajuns. They play a tough schedule, though. Their schedule is tough. They do miss out on App State, though. App State second at plus 200. App State brings back damn near everybody. They're going to have a great week one matchup against North Carolina in Boone. That could really get them on the map, beat that power. I don't, we don't call them power five schools anymore, I guess. Go and beat, you know, an upper echelon conference team in the Tar Heels. But then Coastal at plus 450, Marshall at plus 600. Marshall's interesting to me, joining the Sun Belt their first season. Cajuns beat them a year ago in the bowl game. Then you get a lot of the similar teams in that second tier of the Sun Belt that we've seen. You know, the Georgia States, South Isles, Troys of the world. Southern Miss comes in at plus 66 hundo with Texas State kind of in that next tier. I'm, I'm going to take App State to win the conference. They, they miss out on UL, too. I think UL has maybe a little bit more of a balanced schedule where they got to play a lot of these tough games on the road. That going to Marshall is going to be pretty hard earlier in the season. I'm, I'm going to take App State. I think Cajuns probably finished second. Still have a very respectful year in year one under the new regime. Make a bowl game. Build on that. What say you, James? Yeah, I'm leaning towards App State. I'm, I'm getting that feeling that there's going to be a revenge tour when it comes to App State since they weren't able to win the Sun Belt last year it, on Cajun Field. I feel like it, the field will flip. They'll be at App State. They'll be at home. They'll be the favorites, and they ultimately get their revenge and win this year over over the Cajuns. Uh, I feel like the Cajuns, I've been back and forth on whether they go 7-5 or 8-4. and four. That's kind of where I'm leaning to. I think 8-4 and four is probably a good number for them. Because it's like, even though you bring everybody back, and I know you keep, for, for the most part, the same kind of regime, and you bring back you bring a lot of Cajun culture with former players and other coaches coming back and being coaches themselves, it feels like that's all fine and dandy, but it's kind of like the same thing with USC for me. Can I you got, gel quick I, enough? Can you gel quick enough? And will is is Coach Dez going to like be able to... Maintain a lot of that because it's gonna be you're not gonna be able to go thirteen and one again. It's a much deeper, much deeper Sun Belt this year. I, I think it's there's not as there's, top heavy. There's more competition. You don't have as much depth. You keep a lot of the same regime, but this is gonna be the first time Coach Dez is gonna be a head coach. So it's like, how does he approach this, and is he able to like overcome all of this? I think they'll have a good season, but. For them to repeat, that's hard for me to say. You know, them, them missing out on App State's going to help, but that also helps App State too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it goes both ways. They, their roster's loaded. They're they're absolutely loaded. I I think the I, I think that it's the, the championship of the Sun Belt's going to go through Boone this year, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, it feels like it's going to be in North Carolina once again. Well, we broke down majority of the conference for you, and at 
3.30, our guy from Saturday down south, Alex Onstead, is going to join us, and he'll give us a little bit deeper dive of a complete look at the college football uh, landscape and how the Heisman race is going to look, see if we could piece together a playoff bracket. We think we know two teams that we could pencil in for sure. Let's see if we can't fill out the whole thing over at 3.30. We're going to step aside real quick and pay some bills. When we come back from that break, though, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about those Week Zero matchups with you guys. Before we go, though, I want to tell you about the Black Pot Cook-Off. The Arnaville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September 10th. The cooking begins at 8 a.m., and the eating will start at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnaville. There will be plenty of live music, including Gerald Gruning and Gentilly Zadiko. Dustin Sonia and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnavillefire.org. Stick around. We're going to break down and talk a little bit about those Week Zero matchups next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a lot of fun with you guys. We've talked a lot of college football, and if you want to get in on the fun, you can always hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. We'll continue the theme of college football and talk about the Week 0 matchups, which I think is ridiculous. We need some schedule, regulation, everybody starting on the same week. Nothing starts at, you know, we, we got to start all in the same. That, it's, it's crazy. And if you're going to do it, give us better matchups than you're giving us in week zero. So this Saturday, August 27th, they got a slate of games, and none of them are particularly good. Probably the best one is the matchup from across the pond in Dublin, Ireland. You can catch that game at 10.30 a.m., maybe a little coffee, a little breakfast, and some football. You can watch Nebraska versus Northwestern. Northwestern is going to wear some cool lids where they incorporated the Irish flag into, into their helmet. I don't know if you've seen that, James. Looked pretty sweet. That game's going to be really early. They also got another one really late, <laughs> 9.30. Our time, you could catch Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Why does Vanderbilt agree to go play Hawaii at the island? Hawaii's 11-1 against the spread in their last 12 games. <laughs> They're going to go and travel to Hawaii in week zero. They get a, they get a nice vacation. They probably get a maybe Vandy nice summer cat. money, huh? Vandy, Hawaii ain't paying uh, Vandy. You people pay SEC school. I can see if they're, you know, paying Stephen F. Austin or somebody to go there. I doubt they're giving well, Vandy. How, well, how else are you going to convince them? 
I mean, Vandy also gets all the SEC TV money. They get all the coin from the SEC. I don't know. That's that's interesting. If I'm if I'm a, a Vandy fan, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head and my AD there, saying, "How the heck did you make that schedule? How did Hawaii convince you? <laughs> how did how they do that?" And of course, Florida State LSU's Week One opponent kicks off at 3 p.m. against Duquesne. You can see that game over on the ACC Network. So not a whole lot of games, too, on like flagship networks. It's going to be uh, interesting. Jacksonville State playing Stephen F. Austin is going to be the first game on the four-letter network. Alabama State and Howard will follow that game up at 4 p.m. And then Nevada and New Mexico State, that might be the only other games where you had two Division I teams matched up against each other. Oh, you also get to see North Carolina. Well, maybe I need to talk to Matt against his, his week one bet. North Carolina is going to get a little bit of a uh, – you know, a pre-run at App State is they're going to kick off their season against Florida A&M. They got that game at home over in North Carolina at 5.15 p.m. following up on the ACC Network. Again, nothing to get too crazily excited about, but if you're a junkie for college football like myself, I'm sure I'll watch. But again, I would much, much prefer to have schedule regulations where everybody starts the same week. Does that give Florida State an advantage against LSU? Does it give North Carolina an advantage against App State? It's to be seen. We saw a year ago UCLA had a game a week prior to playing LSU. Seemed to help them pretty much, huh? They were able to take off Ed Ogeron company in the LSU opener last year over on the West Coast. Unless you get unless you get an injury or a couple injuries to maybe some key pieces, it's been pretty beat up already. I, I mean, look, you—I don't want to hope for any kids to get hurt, though. Well, of course know? not. But I, you know, maybe some people might say it gives LSU an advantage or it gives App State an advantage because they get to see live game film, especially maybe a you know an LSU team breaking in multiple coordinators, maybe new head coach. What that you know what, what their schemes are going to look like. I, I don't know. I I think you uh, you know the old saying. A team grows the most between week one and week two. Nobody told me we had a week zero. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely pros and cons to either playing in a week zero or not. But ultimately, they should all start at the same time because even if you have film to look at Florida State, if you're LSU, your players didn't get to really hit that week. They didn't get to actually hit their opponent. So that's the advantage. You actually got to get the jitters out the way because sometimes when it comes down to it, early on the season, your teams, the players may not like fully be able to do the hitting that they want to because when you're playing your t- your own teammates the whole time, you're not going to want to hit them as hard and then injure them. And then guess what? If you're a defensive player, now your offensive side is a little weaker because you just injured your star running back. Yeah, I, I just think that everybody starts the same week. Don't give any advantages to anybody. Um Playing at a live speed is way different, though. Yeah, you know it's it's, it's much much different. Kind of preseason's the same, though. I, you know, you, you don't see guys, you know, like, except you're you're fighting for a roster spot, maybe. But some guys aren't aren't gone at full speed. I no. can't convince me of that. It's it's definitely good to play against somebody else. But also, if you're one of the superstars on your team and one of the best players in the league, you're more likely not even going to touch the field anyway. That's why we haven't seen Alvin Kamara oh, thus yeah. far, and you probably won't I, even see him even if you want to start a bunch of people. I, I think I think everybody should play tomorrow night. Even Jameis, I, I, I totally disagree 
with Matt Niguez. Jameis hadn't seen live action in a long time. Last time he actually touched the field was Halloween. I want to see live bullets coming at me first. I want to be able to feel what that pressure's like in the pocket. Yeah, I want to take a hit. And initially, I was on Matt's side, but after thinking about it and hearing Jameis during the post-practice yesterday, him talking about it, I mean, you're right. It, I got to test game. my knee. Right, it's all funny games in these joint practices. It's great. Those whistles are quick. Those whistles are so fast. They're blowing that whistle before you're hitting the quarterback a lot, <laughs> many a times. I want to see what, what it's going to be like when Jameis bounces back after a hit. They, look, those guys know what it's like to get hit. They need to feel it. And like he, like Jameis said, he said he trusts his knee. So if he trusts it, what, am I, what else am I to do other than say, I mean, I got to go with you. The speed and if, of the game. And if you get injured, I mean, that's just bad luck. And, I mean, it was bound to happen either way. Speeds of the game. Got to see the speed of the game. And you know what? The speed of the game for high school football starts tonight. Tonight at Cajun Field for the Kiwanis Jamboree, they're slated for three ball games starting at 6 p.m. You got Turlings versus Como, Karen Crow versus St. Martinville, and Southside versus Brobridge. Tomorrow night at Cajun Field, got a few other ball games as well. Again, starting at 6 p.m., Lafayette High versus Notre Dame, Cecilia versus St. Thomas More, and Northside versus Acadiana. So a lot of teams that are on our family of networks that you can catch out all football season starting out there. Well, you wouldn't say season. But I guess you call these their preseason games tonight and tomorrow night over at Cajun Field. And Acadia Parish, though, they, they're going to start tonight as well. you got a couple games over at Rain High starting at 6 o'clock, North Vermilion versus Eunice, and at 7.30, Rain versus Erath. Tomorrow night they're going to move that jamboree over to Kaplan. A little bit further down south, and you're going to get Crawley versus Abbeville, then Kaplan versus Church Point to end the night. So there's a lot of college football to be seen and played around the area. The St. Landry Parish Jamboree, where you're going to see Bo Shane versus Eunice's JV tomorrow night at Donald Gardner Stadium. Also got a couple individual ball games as well. Lafayette Christian Academy is going to take on Zachary, who's been... Cream of, the crop, cream of the crop in 5A over the last four or five years. Zachary program has been awfully good. LCA moving up to 4A. They're going to see how good they are really early starting tomorrow night at 7 p.m. That game's going to be over at Zachary. Franklin's going to travel over to New Iberia. And how about this? The defending state champion from the Barry, the Westgate Tigers, are going to travel to Lake Charles College Prep tomorrow night at 7 p.m. M. A lot of high school football to get to, and guess what? Right here at Delta Media, we are your home for thrilling high school football. This season lineup includes St. Thomas More on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV, FM 97.7 FM, and Carrico High on Z1059, Southside on Mustang 107.1, and the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. St. Parish, St. Landry Parish game of the week will be on News Talk 98.5. And we can't forget about our boys over in Lake Chuck. The Bar Bucks will be on the game 1041 in Lake Charles. Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite team at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for high school football on Friday nights. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to have my guy, Alex Onstead, is going to join us, and we're going to tell you everything you need to know about this upcoming college football season on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, 
your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday Eve edition and we're going to head out with the quickness to the game hotline and bring on our next guest, Mr. Alex Onstead of Saturday Down South. Alex, how are you this this Friday Eve? I'm doing pretty well. I like the Friday Eve gesture. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no problem, man. Is there a better time of year? We're gearing up. College football is oh so close. Are you excited for these Week Zero matchups? Uh, I mean, it's college football, so I'm definitely excited. I kind of wish that week one was here, but we'll take what we can get at this point. I'm definitely excited and ready to go. Sounds good. I I know you cover ACC for Saturday Down South over there, and it it seems like that conference, I mean, you you could pencil in Clemson to win the conference almost exclusively for the last uh, umpteenth years. It it seems like the, the odds, again, are heavily in that favor. Is there anybody that could come in and possibly unseed the Clemson Tigers? Yeah, I think there are some teams that definitely can come in and challenge them. I think it's Clemson's conference to lose, as it always is, just like it was last year. They're going to have to be not very good on offense, to say the least, to not win the conference. But I think NC State is kind of that next team up. And I also like Miami. And Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback's really good. And just like NC State, you have, you have Devin Leary, an experienced veteran team coming back. I think it's going to take – a really good defense as well as a good offense to beat Clemson because Clemson's defense is, in my mind, the best in the country. It's going to be tough to take them down, but I think there are some teams that are capable of doing it. Another team that's going to be on everybody's mind in this area, a team that's playing in Week 0, and that's Florida State. They get to play LSU over in Week 1 over in NOLA. Is that a team that looks to take the next step, or what can we expect out of those NOLs? Yeah, I think I think their offensive line is going to keep improving. It was obviously really bad over the last few years, and that's been their issue, quarterback injuries. But I think Jordan Travis back with experience. Norvell has some, some years under his belt now in Tallahassee. I think they're going to be very much improved. Um, I think they'll definitely make a bowl game. I, I think I have them at around seven or eight wins, and that's kind of the direction they need to be to get back on track. Switching over to the big Ten now as conference again, kind of like the Clemson situation where it's been owned by the Ohio State Buckeyes, and they were unseated last year. But something tells me that they'll be back this year. Is it their conference to use, or do you to lose, or do you think it's a, a little more balanced and they're going to be challenged up top? No, I think as as usual, just like with Clemson, it's their conference to lose. But I think unlike other years, they do have some competitors. I think Michigan matches up pretty well with them, like you saw last year when they matched up. They're very physical. Michigan State's on the rise with Mel Tucker, although I don't know if they'll be as good without Kenneth Walker. You know, you got some teams in the West that are pretty good, and I think Penn State will be pretty good. Penn State has a shot to knock them off, you know, at, at home. But other than that, I, I really think it's it's them, Michigan, and then everybody else. 
it seems like any publication that you have, they almost have Clemson and Ohio State penciled into the playoff at this point. And then everybody else is kind of fighting for those next two spots. You know one of those spots is going to come out of the SEC and another conference that's been kind of just dominated by two teams, Alabama as well as Georgia outside of LSU's historical run in 2019. Is that – Anybody else going to come into play there, or you think that's going to be one of those two teams that are going to make it to the college football playoff? You know, I think it's definitely those two teams, and it could be two of them like it was last year, but um, Georgia's schedule is not very difficult. It's hard to see them losing more than one regular season game and having a shot to win the SEC championship and have a spot in the college football playoff. But if I'm looking outside those two teams, a lot of people like Texas A&M. I'm kind of the opposite. I like Arkansas. I think they have a good, complete team. I really like Sam Pittman, K.J. Jefferson. I think they're going to be really good, but their schedule's brutal. I think Ole Miss is another team that's going to put up points. You know, I don't know if LSU's there yet. I think they're going to knock off some teams on the SEC West side. I think it's going to be pretty balanced after Alabama on the SEC West side. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams beating up on each other. It but just feels outside like outside of Alabama and Georgia, I don't really see it see anyone taking a spot from them just feels like in those second and third tier of the sec they'll just cannibalize each other week in and week out and nobody will be able to get solid footing um in the big 12 i think the big 12 is awfully interesting you know oklahoma bringing in the new regime and there's a lot of teams that are kind of in that next bubble right that are just been kind of getting closer and closer it feels like this is a year that somebody else is going to get to the promised land yeah i would agree with that i one of you, I think, that is not super high in Oklahoma this year. They had a lot of turnover, and not only their staff, but their team. They lost a lot of transfers. Yes, they got them in. They have Dylan Gabriel, who's a really good quarterback, but I don't really see them. I, I think they're going to slip up. I think this is Baylor, Oklahoma State. I don't want to say Texas because anybody who ever says Texas, that just <laughs> bites you. So I think it's between those three, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, but i I kind of have Baylor at this point over Oklahoma State. Who's your favorite dark horse contender in any conference that's really nobody talking about flying under the radar, but you think really has a, a chance to spoil the party? Yeah, I think one that comes to mind is definitely Utah. I know some people are talking about him, but I don't think anyone's really taking him seriously enough to the point where, hey, they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to do some damage. But they have Cam Rising back. They have a lot of guys back. Great head coach in Kyle Whittingham. I mean, you saw them against Ohio State last year in the Rose Bowl. They match up really well offensively and defensively against high-powered offense. I mean, it's not like your typical Pac-12 team that plays after dark. And, you know, you don't see them and you don't really need to see them. I think it's a team that if they go to Gainesville week one and win at Florida, you know, they, they have a shot to do some damage the rest of the way. That's got to be one of the most intriguing matchups in that week one slate, kick off the Billy Napier tenure over at Florida, I think uh, Utah, as you mentioned, they, they could play with high-powered offenses as well, but something about Kyle Whittingham's teams is just he's so physical. Those guys find a way to get it done. Definitely. I'm excited to see them. Turnover, I talked to maybe Heisman a little bit, and it, it feels like uh, you know everybody's uh, Bryce Young maybe repeating. I, I think him winning last year maybe hurts his chances a little bit. Uh, sometimes you have recency bias, but sometimes you get a little bit of exhaustion too, where you had a you know, couple Alabama players in a row at, at that point. Uh, who really sticks out to you in the Heisman race early on? 
Yeah, I'll have to agree with you there, Bryce Young. I don't really see him going back-to-back. For one, he'd have to put up better numbers than he did last year, and that's nearly impossible. But Bryce Young's obviously going to be up there. I think he's still a finalist. But I I like Jackson Smith and Jigma from Ohio State as one of the top contenders. It's really tough to win as a receiver, but his numbers are going to be insane. Will Anderson obviously was snubbed out of a spot last year. I think he'll be up there. And D.J. Stroud is is really my go-to pick at this point. I think he was the next one up last year, honestly. And I, I just don't see him taking a step back after what happened last year against Michigan. I think they're going to be angry. I think they're going to come in and throw the heck out of it, and he's going to put up crazy stats. So C.J. Stroud is my top pick at the moment. You already told us how you felt about Texas eight and four. I mean Texas eight and A and M. Who do you think is the biggest fraud right now? Maybe in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I think Texas A and M has to be one of them. Um, I think Oklahoma, like I talked about, is not a top ten team. And then another one that comes comes to mind is obviously USC. I'm not really sure why they're as high as they are. I'd be okay with them being around 20 to 25, but I think they're at 14 in the AP poll. And if you watched them last year, they were not a good team for one thing. And, yes, they got a, they got a ton, ton of talent coming in, ton of transfers, great coach, Lincoln Riley. But their defense isn't just going to change overnight. And there's some, like you said, there's some Pac-12 teams that can, they're pretty physical. Like, I don't see them going in and beating Utah. I think they have to go on the road, too. Those are just teams they don't match up with well. I think Caleb Williams, will be really good, and he's another one that could be up at the Heisman. I just, he's still young. It just seems too new for them to be that high. Is there anybody outside of the Power Five conferences that you think could come in and maybe play spoiler? Yeah, I've, I've heard um, I've heard some things about Houston. So I think they, they have a chance. I think Cincinnati, again, will be pretty physical and good. Um, another team that's actually an independent team, I don't know if I would call them out of the Power Five, is BYU. They have actually a really tough schedule this year, and they're known for knocking good teams off. And I just think they they have what it takes to to spoil some teams. I'm not sure there's going to be a group of five, you know, playoff contender again. I don't know if that'll ever happen again like Cincinnati did last year. But BYU is kind of the team I look at. Wrapping up right now with Alex Lundstedt of Saturday Down South. Alex, when we end this season, who's hoisting up that trophy? You know, at this moment, I'll probably go. I'll go safe and say Alabama. Um, I think it's going to be Alabama versus Ohio State, like most people say. But I'm hoping somebody proves me wrong. I, I want to see some change. I want to see some differences. But I'm going to go Alabama and Bryce Young. Alabama exhaustion is real. Alex, I appreciate it the is. time, my man. I hope you enjoy the season, and we'll be in touch real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, my man. Alex Onstead joining us from Saturday Down South. He went ahead and broke down conferences with us as well, gave you his Heisman picks, and then let us know a couple dark horse contenders as well as pretenders to be on the lookout for with college football on the horizon. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up this Friday Eve edition of the Jardy Holberg Show. So stick with us right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back in for the last time today on the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Viatar filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday Eve edition. I'm geeked up to leave here and finally get to watch some pads popping live. I made I went to the first preseason game this year. I was over in Ohio for work. I made it over to Canton and I was able to watch the Jags and the Raiders battle it out in the Hall of Fame game live. That was a great time. Felt a lot of half-speed stuff, to be honest with you. We talked about that, guys, maybe dialing it in a little bit. I'm excited for tonight. Going, put on the bright lights at Cajun Field. The kids like that. Play on the turf and get to see three matchups. I'm also excited to see two players, James. Two guys from the Acadiana area that I feel are going to get a lot of love over the next couple years. One of them is going to be junior quarterback from Turlings Catholic, Preston Welch. I saw him last year against Karen Crow, and Karen Crow ended up coming back after being down early in beating Turlings in a landslide in a wild ball game over on the north side of Lafayette. But I came away really impressed with the then-sophomore quarterback, Preston Welch. He's going to be a junior this year. I expect to see Sonny Chaponche's club maybe take another step up with Welch at the helm. He's in the class of 2024. He's about 6'2", 6'3", 210, 220 pounds. Offers are starting to come in. I know UAB offered recently. I'm excited to kind of see him and what he brings to the table. And, of course, Dane Chaponche and the Turlings Rebels are going to take on Como High at 6 p.m. At 7.30 or after that ball game concludes, I'm excited to check out Karen Crow, of course. Of course, you can catch Karen Crow live each and every Friday night over on Z1059 with Ben Love and myself. And I think this is going to be a different Karen Crow team than you saw a year ago. Chance Caesar, quarterback, comes back after a brutal knee injury that he suffered in a Week 9 matchup against Brother Martin a year ago. He's now a senior, big physical kid, runs that veer attack that Gavin Peters, Karen Crow offensive coordinator, runs to a perfection. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of wrinkles they kind of throw in there for him because he has a big arm as well. I'm also excited to see from the St. Martinville side, Mr. Harvey Broussard. You talk about a freak of an athlete. 6'3", 185-pound wide receiver. And boy, is he good. He has offers already. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Florida, Penn State, Missouri, Arizona, Virginia. You name it. They're coming over to St. Martin and offering that wide receiver prospect. I've seen him play three times over the last two years, and he impressed me each and every time. He might not be the best route runner, James, but he is a freak of an athlete. He high points the football very well and has great speed. Physical receiver, big kid. I mean, 6'3", 180, 185 at the high school level. That's a big kid to play on the perimeter. Yeah, he's pretty solid. I saw him moss somebody last year over at the Jamboree. Excited to see him play again tonight. 
I'm just excited to see the pads popping. <clears throat> I'm also excited to see Southside High in action against Pont Bro in the nightcap tonight. I know Matt Miguez is going to be in attendance, maybe doing a little scout work for Southside High. Of course, you can get Southside over on Mustang 107.1 with Matt and Stevie P each and every Friday night. But if you want to keep the fun going, you can stay right here at the game as well. You can stick around for crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right after this. They're going to have Cajun Corner over at 430. Joey Walker joining them, and they're going to start talking about UL and their matchup against Southeastern just, what, eight days away. And, of course, Brendan Moore is going to join them at 530, and they're going to break down college football, maybe more at a national level, and give you a little bit of action there. You could also stick around and catch the Astros. First pitch, 7-10, when the Astros are going to take on the struggling Minnesota Twins going for the sweep tonight. Astros are going to throw out Luis Garcia versus Chris Archer for the Twins. I want to thank everybody who joined us today. It was a lot of fun. Of course, Matt Bruni joined us at 2.30, and we were able to break down of LSU's depth chart, all those position battles, as we head into the matchup with Florida State. Again, nine days away over in New Orleans. A lot of excitement surrounding that ballgame, and Brian Kelly kicking off his tenure in Baton Rouge. Of course, Alex Onstead joined us at 3.30, and we talked all things on a national level when it came to college football. Also want to thank everybody who voted in the poll today. Who is the best conference outside of the SEC in college football? And it was an interesting breakdown, but the Big Ten was the winner at the end with 43.8% of the vote. Other had 37.5%. So I think a lot of Big 12 fans voted on the omission left by James Mesh. Also want to thank Chad for calling in and getting in in on the action and letting us know how he felt about not only the battle in the ACC, but who was going to win the 5-4A matchup and how he wanted to bet on LSU and Florida State. You could always stick around with us tomorrow and join us. I'm going to host the Jardy Holberg Show once again, and we already have a great show planned for you. TJ Penninger is going to join us, Florida State beat writer for Roll Up Network, and we're going to break down the Knowles and the Tigers matchup that's going to happen just a week from Sunday. And then Mike Scarborough is going to join us tomorrow at 3.30, and we're going to talk LSU. So stick around with us for the rest of the week and have a ton of fun right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.